Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. Uh, I appreciate that. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts 28, the last chapter, lest something hits me, the last message in this series. Some of you are saying, oh boy, finally, uh, what are we going to do next? I think, uh, I don't know. We'll just pray about all that. How about that? And, uh, but I have, it's been refreshing to me um, to study this, this book historically, but also there's a whole lot more. You know we skipped over a lot, um, mainly because we were accenting the revivals and the movement of God in the history of the early church. And so um, I, I trust that it's been a blessing to you. It has been to me. Let's stand together, please. Read God's Word, Acts chapter 28. And uh, someone said that uh, my slide said this morning, the poof of your profession. So if you read that, <laughs> I'll send those things to the men. I say, unproofed. <laughs> unproofed. <laughs> So you never know, but I have no idea what's going to be up there tonight, but we'll see what happens. What we're really going to do tonight is we're going to finish out the history of, of, of the book of Acts, and I want to pick up reading verse number 16 of Acts 28. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, which by the way, in previous chapters, we learned that this, uh, this centurion became very close to the apostle. So he delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but I have that circled Paul was suffered or allowed to dwell by himself with the soldier that he that, that with the soldier that kept him. It came to pass after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no case of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you, to see you, and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. So he's calling these Jewish chiefs, together in Rome first thing he does and uh, and they said unto him we neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee now that's uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute that's crazy but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for as concerning this sect speaking of Christianity 
we know that everywhere it is, it is spoken against. When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, I want to say they're as usual, the Jews that is, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. So he has his pardoning word here. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, that's Isaiah the prophet, unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you, that salvation, the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and, they, that, and, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed, and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I'm going to speak on this subject for just a while tonight. Paul's last revival. Paul's last revival. Father, bless now, please, your word. And teach us, Lord, tonight of what our place is in all of this. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. And thank you for being so faithful. This has been a difficult time as the COVID variant has come back. And we're just kind of up and down with things. Uh, right now, we, we don't have anybody uh, bad sick, and we're thankful for that. And I want you to keep praying about that, because I just learned of several churches that closed because of sickness today. And um, so let's just pray that God will keep things steady, and uh, let's, uh, let's be faithful to, to do the things we should do to stay as healthy as we can and keep others healthy as well. And I want you to know that um, as your pastor, and I speak for my wife as well, um, this has been, this has been a, a time, a difficult time for us because it's just hard to get to people who are sick. It's hard for you as a family to get to them as well. What I typically do, I cannot do. But I looked across the crowd this morning, and uh, we don't always announce the names of people that have it unless it's bad and they ask us to. But I looked across the crowd, I'm looking tonight, of some of you that you've called me and you've told me, preacher, I, I've had COVID-19. And you're sitting here as a grace of the grace of God. And God has brought you through. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I think if we did raise our hand, we would probably say we're moving toward herd immunity. <laughs> Whatever that is. And um, so I wanted to say tonight that um, I get to say sometimes more on Sunday nights that we love you. We thank God for you. It's been difficult to be there for you. It's been difficult for you to be there for your own families. Just the funerals we've had. Um, and the loved ones, even spouses, have not been able to be with their loved one. It's been difficult. And we need to pray for each other in this tender moment that we're all walking through together. And uh, don't take any of it for granted. Paul's last revival. 
Paul finally makes his way to Rome. He gets there. Man, it was a long haul. A lot of ups and downs and shipwreck and snake bites and all that. But in verse 16, we see God's sovereign hand on the old apostle one more time. As they get there and the centurion turns the prisoners over to the captain of the guard, all of them except for Paul. And Paul was allowed to stay with the soldier who had been his keeper during this long voyage. Obviously, the centurion, Justice, had uh, got with a, a, a particular guard and said, you're going to oversee this man right here. I think he probably won this guy to Christ because he was happy uh, to spend time with the preacher. And uh, <laughs> this personal arrangement lasted for at least three days. And then Paul was allowed to be under house arrest in what was called lodging in verse number 23. And then eventually he spends two whole years in his own hired house in verse 30, which means he paid to dwell in his own house under house arrest. He didn't go out, but people could come in. And I often wonder how in the world he was able to pay for that because he didn't make a living. I believe a lot of the churches sent money to take care of all of that. And so uh, history declares that his trials never accomplished his, the trial, uh, courtroom trials never accomplished his release as Paul had hoped for. And finally, uh, Nero's grip began to tighten around Christians. If you look at the life of Nero, who was a Caesar in that family, but Nero's uh, early uh, reign was, was loose with the Christians. I think uh, Aquila and Priscilla had to leave under Claudius. Now Nero is in charge by the time Paul gets there. And his first arrangement with the Christians was kind of loose. But then uh, he began to hate Christians, persecute Christians. In fact, you recall the history regarding the burning of Rome and Nero's uh, uh, influence and all of that. So when that happens later on, not this imprisonment that we're reading about here, but later Paul is confined to what we now know as the maritime prison there in Rome, which is a very damp, small holding cell. And uh, tradition says that it is from this prison cell that he died a martyr's death outside the city walls of Rome about the same time as the apostle Peter. That is his demise. But here... He's in a looser situation with his imprisonment. But before he moves off the scene of, of church history, he holds his last meeting and it's recorded here before us. Notice, first of all, the rallying of the crowd. The rallying of the crowd. Now, when we get a crowd up, we pass out flowers, we advertise, put it out on social media. We ask our church family to advertise. But there is a rallying of the crowd in verses 17 through 19. And uh, uh, it is through the Roman Jews uh, of all people. The first people that he witnesses to are the chiefs of the Jew, Jews in verse number 17. You might say he had an axe to grind. I don't know. He really expected some pushback from these men. And uh, because he felt like some of them had been influenced from the Jewish hierarchy there in Jerusalem, <clears throat> as far as he was concerned, they had sent letters uh, regarding his arrest. And he thought that there was a band of Jews floating over on their own ships to meet in Rome and be in this particular trial. But uh, the Jews, surprisingly... Uh, they desired to hear him, and they heard a truthful testimony, verses 18 through 19. And I uh, want you to notice their surprising 
response in verse number 21. He wasn't ready for this. <coughs> he said, I haven't done anything to anybody. Uh, there's no reason for me to, to be here and uh, be uh, in this chain. But look at their response, verse 21. And they said unto him, we neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren uh, that came showed or spake any harm of thee. We haven't heard nothing. It's almost like they were saying, Paul, we don't know what you're talking about. And uh, so, uh, but, but, but surprisingly, they desire to hear the message of the apostle. In chapter uh, 28, verse 22, said, We desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. And, and uh, regarding this thing that they were calling a sect, or in other words, a cult, they, uh, these Jews perceived uh, Christianity as a sect uh, apart, a religious thing apart from Judaism. And so they struggled with that. They'd heard about it. And what they had heard about it was everybody spoke against it. But being in Rome and living in Rome, they knew very little about Christianity. So they uh, set up this meeting. They promised to attend it at a point in time in verse 23. And the Bible says, many did. There came many to him in his lodging. And uh, so they, they attend. And this much, must have been a large enough area to gather a good crowd. I believe God providentially provided that for him. So we see this rallying of the crowd. So it's kind of strange. I get this. Get the picture. You've got a, a man who's been arrested. He, at this point, He's still chained to this guard. He said, I'm in chains. These chains you're looking at are for the hope of Israel. When he said that, he said, I'm not blaming you for a bunch of this stuff. I'm just saying this is by God's design so you can hear the gospel. So get the picture. You got a man that's a prisoner. You have a man that no one had ever heard of necessarily. And he walks into town and he gets a crowd. Many means many. I don't know if it meant several hundred. I don't know if it meant a thousand, but a lot of Jews gathered in to hear the man of God on that day. Number two, we see the reason for revival found in verse 20. We see a little glimpse of Paul's heart in this reason for revival. The Bible says here, for this cause, therefore, I've called you. He's going to tell them why, why I went to the Jews first. He, he's going to try this one more time. He's already walked away from it once, but he goes to the Jew first, then to the Greek or the Gentile. But one more time, he said, I, I, this is why I came to you. And here it is, three things. First of all, to see you. Secondly, to speak with you. Because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. In other words, to persuade you. And I want us to consider these three things. The reason for revival. Watch this now. He said, I want to see you. What does that mean? He didn't know these people. And as far as he knew, these people were against him. Now listen to what I'm getting ready to say. We have a community around us that we don't know if they're for us or against us. We have no idea if they're for Christ or they're against Christ, for the church, not against the church. But these are the people that you and I should have a desire to reach. And Paul was actually going into the mouth of the lion, bringing these Jews in right at the very beginning. He said, I want to see you, which means he had a love for these people. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I have got to pray to God in heaven that we can find a way to get a love for the community around us. They're not like us, a lot of them. I understand that. Uh, it's not that we're weird or anything. <laughs> it's just that as born-again Christians, we believe different we do not believe in this world system we believe this world system is passing away and so uh he said i, I want to see you 
I want to be with you. Secondly, he said, I want to speak to you. I want to give you the gospel. I want to show you what the Bible says. In just a moment, we'll see how he did that. Did that. And number three, he said, I want to persuade you. Look at the phrase, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Paul did not have anything against these people. Paul really didn't have anything against those that came at him uh, back in Jerusalem. He even said, I was one of you. I was a Pharisee, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, of the stock of Abraham. He said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He said, I was like you. But he said, uh, he said, doesn't matter. Uh, that's not going to get you heaven. You must believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah. And he gave him that message. And understand this. You and I will make a grave mistake if we hold the people we're trying to, to reach, if we hold things against them that they're not one of us. They're not one of us because either they didn't hear the gospel or they've rejected the gospel. And that is the crowd that you and I are to constantly be going after. And I want you to pray about that. Uh, as uh, our, our world becomes more pagan by the day, you and I should have a desire to see them, to speak to them, and persuade them that there is a hope, uh, not necessarily for us of Israel because we're of the church, but there is a hope in heaven someday for everybody. And number three, we see the revival message. Here it is. Verse 23, he, he did the same thing that he did in every city he went into, but here is ex explained in stark detail. Look at the words. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded, uh, he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both the, uh, out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets. Watch this now, from morning till evening. It was a long service. I started to say, this is what we do here in this pulpit every time we meet, except for that last thing, because you wouldn't stay for morning or evening. So we, let's break this down. Here was his revival message, and here is our message to people as well. Number one, he expounded the scriptures. The word expound means to open up, to show, to prove, to demonstrate, to go at it like a prosecuting attorney to take scripture and compare scripture with scripture to bring understanding we'll see how he did that here in just a moment but uh, uh, what I try to do I could just come in and we could just read the Bible together we could all sit around and discuss it and decide what we think it says or means or we can study the word of God and break it down contextually application wise and compare scripture to scripture and we can decide what it means uh, in, in the way it was written, what it means for us. That is what I do. Uh, in fact, um, I didn't get everything done this week. I, I tried my best and, and uh, a lot of interruptions and different things. And I carry with me a stack of books. And I was dreaming just the other night, Friday night, I believe it was. I got up and told my wife, she said, uh, how'd you sleep? I said, honey, a big old stack of books that I, that I have that I'm studying here with at home? She said, yeah. I said, well, I dreamed I took them all to the doctor's office, and I did take them for an appointment the other day, a checkup. I did take them with me. I left them in the car because you never know when you're going to get stuck in traffic, and I always have something to read and study in traffic, and so I always had them with me, and uh, I got over there just a little early. Um, I won't tell you how that happened, but, <laughs> but uh, so I sat in the parking lot and stayed a little bit. So I had all these books with me, you know. 
Uh, and uh, so the other night, I just dreamed that I lost them all. I left them in the doctor's office. I couldn't find them. I went to x-ray. wasn't an x-ray. Went down to ER. wasn't an ER. I didn't go to x-ray. I didn't go to ER. I was all over that hospital. Finally, a kind nurse came out to me, and she, she, this is a dream, okay? This is charismatic stuff right here. And she brought a stack of books like that. She said, uh, Reverend Norse, are these your books? I said, those are my books. No, I didn't have that many books, but crazy dreams. I don't know why I said all that. Other than the fact that this is, this is the life I live. This is what I do. I have a thing on my computer called Logos. I have over 3,000 books on that computer. I have probably nearly that many in my office. I don't know, maybe 1,500 in my office. I have a lot of books. You say, preacher, are they in uh, D- the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> no, they're in the James Michael Norris System. You say, what's that? Well, I know where they're at. Well, I'm looking for it. So you, I bet you got all your prophecy, prophecy, and all the doc. No, 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 no. Uh, Seth Wagner came in the other day, and he, he, or about a year ago, he arranged them by size and color. So anyway, <laughs> so if you want to know where a book is in my office, you ask me and Brother Seth. We'll find it. Anyhow, I'm just saying that's the world I live in. You say, why do you have all that stuff? Well, I don't know. Whenever Paul was in jail there with Timothy, he was in prison, he told Timothy to come before winter, he said, bring the books and bring the parchments. I'm just saying, that's the life the apostle lived. That's the life a preacher lives. You say, why do they do that? Because I just love taking the word of God, breaking it down, which I'm not doing a very good job right now. I'm telling you stories because you act like you weren't listening. But anyway, uh, that's what preachers do too. But he expounded that. Then he testified. He got it all down. And then he broke the scriptures down. And then he testified of God's kingdom. That means he tried to teach them of their place as Jews, as rulers in the kingdom of God someday. And that Jesus would rule and reign that kingdom. Now ladies and gentlemen, I think by and large most of us are all Gentiles in here. And I want to come to you just like the apostle says. And I want to break down the scriptures and tell you about Jesus Christ. About his death and his burial and resurrection. But the end result is we're all going to heaven someday. And we're all going to rule and reign with him in that millennial kingdom. That's the place where we have and Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and someday every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's the gospel message. He came rolling into town and the Jews are saying, well, I've never, never heard anything like that before. And then the third thing he did was he persuaded them, which is why I lifted my voice there just a little bit, which I, why I put just a little urgency on that. I mean, the apostle just doesn't come in and say, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried three days and he rose again on the third day. If you don't believe that, you're going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. No, he persuaded them. That's what preaching is. He heralded that. You see, the preacher felt something while he was preaching. And every preacher ought to feel something while they're preaching. I don't have time to go into all of that. That's for another time for preachers. But here's what he did. He didn't just use wildfire. The Bible says that as he persuaded them concerning Jesus, (laughs) he did it both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets. What does that mean? That means he took the entire Old Testament and he knew it. The Pentateuch, the law, 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, he preached to them Jesus. Then he took uh, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Michael, he took all the prophets and he preached unto them Jesus. You say, are you telling me that Jesus is in all the books of the Bible? I'm telling you, like a scarlet thread, Jesus Christ runs all through that Bible. May God help us from Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Elohim. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And all the way through the Bible, we see the Jesus Christ being the Son of God. And the Jews reared back and they thought, Whoa, this guy has something on him, which by the way is called unction of the Holy Spirit of God. Number four, we see the response to the sermon. Verse 24, like any response would be. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. The message lasted from morning to evening. It was very long. But they stuck it out. Some believed, and some didn't believe. And the same is true here. Uh, I want to ask you to do something on our, our Sunday night crowd. I think I can share this with you. I want to ask you to add something to your prayer list. I want you between now and next Sunday, and certainly every Sunday, I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit will work in our services, especially the invitation time. I want you to pray that God would open up the hearts of people. I want you to pray that God would move, especially at that time. Now listen to me. I don't, I'm not an orator. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I make no claims and I have no plans to be an orator. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't try to make something flowery. But I do try to take the word of God and accurately expound it and salt it down with illustrations so people can understand it and we can apply it. But whenever you cycle that all down... People will look for some tear-jerking illustration at the end, and I may or may not have one. I don't know. That's where you as a born-again Christian, if you are right with God, you need to be praying to the Holy Spirit of God while you're listening. You can do that. Asking God to let the people believe what was preached. I want to ask you to do that. Because I believe that week after week after week, God places the unsaved in our services. And somehow... We need to pray and ask the Lord to let them be free to make a decision for Christ. I'm always tasked with this particular decision. Do I have a come forward invitation? Which I'll always have a come forward invitation. But do I make an invitation in the seat? And, do I, and so, so I want you to pray that I always will do the right thing and follow the Spirit of God in those things. But I also believe this. As the closer we get to the Lord's return and the rapture, I believe we have people sitting in our churches that are not genuinely born again. I believe that they have been convinced otherwise, but they've never really had a time where they bow their head and ask Christ to be their Savior. Now, don't miss this. I'll always believe, till the day I see Jesus, that it's a very simple thing to be a born-again Christian. I believe that. But I think there's, there are people that come in we had a lot of guests this morning. I think there are people that come in that they, that they have been convinced that their baptism saved them. They've been convinced that 
the particular faith or religion they were involved in uh, saves them. They've been convinced that they're living a pretty good life, and that gets them to heaven. You and I that's under a steady diet of what the Word of God says, we know better. But I want to tell you what's happening right here. He is preaching to some of the most religious people in the world. And many of these were the chief priests, the chief of the Jews. They had this all down. They knew as much of the scriptures as the, as the Apostle Paul knew. In fact, they had to memorize much of it. And they knew. But yet some of them walked out of there and they did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And they walked away unsaved. And I want to challenge you in this as a church family. These are the people that God once saved and these are the people we're to go after. And you pray that God would give me the help. As I prepare and study. Number four, we see the response of the message. Number five, we see a rebuke for the unrepentant. He, had, he did not take this very well. Verses 25 through 30, it says, And when they agreed not among themselves, and now they start arguing, he overhears this, they departed. And after that, or after Paul witnessed all that, Paul had spoken one word before they got out of there. Well spake the Holy Ghost by... Isaiah, the prophet unto our fathers. And then he talks about this quote from uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Paul was not completely pleased with the results as he listened to them reason after the meeting, so he leaves them with the parting word. And it is in the form of a rebuke. He uses the prophet Isaiah to rebuke them, and he says, you can't hear spiritual words. You cannot perceive spiritual things. You just don't see it. Your heart is wax gross. Your ears are dull of hearing. Your eyes are blind to spiritual things. God was saying, I want to convert you. I want to heal your spiritual soul. But you are so dead to spiritual things, you can't even take that first step toward me. Now, don't think that's strange. Because they did it to the Lord Jesus Christ. All those years that Jesus preached to those great multitudes and saw the result, as he made his way to the cross, they walked away. They got to where they wouldn't hear him. Don't think it's strange for our generation because, as I've quoted several times, Paul told young Timothy, for the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine but you're heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. So don't, we just got a little window here, folks. We just have a short time to take the truth of the word of God and get it out there and get the gospel out there while folks uh, are, are at least willing to hear uh, the gospel. Uh, then he says, for the second time in his ministry, Paul states that the emphasis of the gospel will now turn to the Gentiles, for they will hear it. And it is believed that Paul spent out his days witnessing to the Gentiles that would come and go within his hired house. And there he sits. Declared innocent by Felix, innocent by Festus, and declared innocent by Agrippa. Waiting for the trial before Nero, the current Caesar Augustus. Sometimes my mind runs a little wacky when I start reading stuff like this, and I thought, they said, we didn't get any letters from Jerusalem. We didn't have anybody float on a ship around. Do you remember how much trouble Paul had just getting there by ship because he went in the wintertime? Well, those other guys must have chickened out coming in the wintertime. Maybe they're still waiting on him. Maybe they came later. 
<laughs> but here's what I think. I got to thinking about where are those bozos? You often wonder what happened to his bozo, by the way, is in the original languages there. You often wonder what happened to his accusers. You often wonder what happened uh, to those letters of accusation from Tartilius. You wonder, well, what happened to that? Maybe, uh, maybe their ship sank. Maybe the post office lost the letters. And uh, just maybe God took care of all that mess because it was all a lie from the beginning. All those years, he wore those chains, suffered. One time those Jews got a hold of him and just liked to pull him apart limb by limb. Shipwreck and all the suffering, all because of a lie. May God help us to seek the truth. But I'll tell you this. Because Paul stayed faithful from the time that he was called in that little Antioch church meeting, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. From the time they carried that flag out of that little sinning church, the Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth, they flew the flag of the gospel, that Antioch church, and the list goes on and on and on. They finally got to Rome. And they flew the flag of the gospel. And of all places, the capital of the known world. By the way, that was the intention of Paul. Because that was the intention of his heavenly father. Someday our lives will all play out. It's a beautiful harmony. A beautiful symphony. If you follow the will of God. You don't know how it's going to end. but God knows how it's going to end. And here he sits, not guilty, in a prison for a reason. And it closes out, verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Uh, here's my last point, number six. The revival continues. The revival continues. We started this book several months ago, I think back uh, right after school started, probably about September or so. And here we are just about a year later, October maybe. We titled it Acts, God's Book of Revival. So this revival started there prior to Pentecost, but especially at Pentecost. And then the book of Acts concludes with no conclusion. Some call this Acts chapter 29. Because the work of God started in the first chapter, but it never ends. The book of Acts contains the history of the early church, but the history of the church is still being written. How many believe that? What I mean by this is we're living in a time when the Holy Spirit of God is still active in the world. A time when he's still trying to win the loss to Jesus Christ. A time that the gospel is still just as powerful. Let me say it like this as we close this out. These could be the most exciting days that the church has ever seen. If you'll stay faithful. I believe the unsaved are starting to awaken and become interested in the gospel again. I believe I'm seeing it in our young children. Have you noticed that a lot of our children are coming to Christ the past six months? I hope you've noticed that. 
Have you noticed that Christians are starting to wake up? We should have never been asleep, but Christians are starting to wake up. And uh, at the same time, though, our opportunity to freely give out the gospel is quickly closing. I do not know how long it's going to last. I will leave you this quick little outline of how we should finish up. Paul lays out our pattern for the rest of the history of the church in verse 31. Here's the first point. First of all, receive all who come our way. The Bible says in verse 31, no man forbidding him, nobody stopped him from giving out the gospel. He was a prisoner. Let me just stop and tell you, at this point right now, Nobody is forbidding you to give out the gospel. Now, some personal individual may stop you. That's one thing. And we may not be able to get into a gated community or something like that. But right now, no one's stopping us from giving out the gospel. And we should receive every man. Every person we come across is a candidate for hearing the gospel. You may find out they're saved after you start, but every person is a candidate. Number two, we're to preach the kingdom of God. Verse 31. The nearness of his return, that Jesus Christ is coming again. Number three, we're to teach the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Lord, I'm with you always. We're to teach them the gospel. And then number four, we're to do so with boldness and confidence. Could you imagine the boldness that Paul had to have to do what he did in, in uh, Roman prison? Now tonight, though that may have been Paul's last revival, it doesn't need to be the world's last revival. Sometimes I feel like this church has kind of been broadsided. And when that happens and when we're, we're kind of reeling from all the mess of the past year and a half, we lose our focus about what we're supposed to be doing. And I want to ask you as a church family as we close this book out tonight, Let's regain our focus of giving out the gospel to everyone we can. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Thank you for listening tonight. This altar is open right now. If you're a born-again Christian, you know how to give out the gospel. You know the gospel. Let's come to this place right now, this altar, and say, Dear God, would you please fire me up? I want to give out the gospel. I want to do a better job. Come on. They're going to play softly right here while they're playing. Why don't you come and tell the Lord? I want to do a better job getting out the gospel. This does not have to be the last revival. Let's pick it up. Father, tonight I pray that you'll bless the time that we've had in your word. And I pray that this church family, one more time, give it a good effort of telling folks about Christ. A very large majority of the people in the sound of my voice, they know how to give out the gospel. I pray you'll motivate us tonight. Please, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. They're playing softly right now. Folks are coming.